Welcome to the Equine Veterinary Education Podcasts. My name is Christian Byrne and today I'm pleased to be joined by Gillian Tabor. Gillian's an equine canine and human physiotherapist based in Devon. She also manages the MSc course in veterinary physiotherapy at Hartbury University. Um, and today, Gillian's going to be joining us to talk about her recent article, Routine Equine Physiotherapy, which is currently on uh, Early View on EVE. Thank you very much for joining us today, Gillian. Good morning, Christian. Thank you for inviting me to talk about my article and also about physiotherapy for animals. No problem at all. Um, so I thought a useful place for us to start off is a bit of sort of background, just to make sure we're, we're all on the same page when we're talking about physiotherapy. And certainly, I think that's you know, a lot of us will have a, an, an idea or an image in our minds of, of what physiotherapy entails, but sometimes could be, I guess, a little bit difficult to actually define what that is. Um, so I wondered if you could give us a sort of a, a working definition that you would use for physiotherapy. Yes, of course. Uh, so physiotherapy is really structured around the goals of restoring a painless optimal function for any individual, and obviously in this case, the horse. And uh, we're sort of thinking about horses that have been um, had an injury or suffering from illness. But of course, the other side of physiotherapy is about prevention of loss of function. And that certainly applies to our clients that are working in the performance sports. Okay, that's super. And in terms of the pathway to become a, a veterinary physiotherapist in the UK, could you give us any insight about how the process that people go through to achieve that? My uh, way into animal physiotherapy was that I trained as a human physiotherapist first, so I completed my undergraduate degree. I'm a chartered physiotherapist, so initially I worked in the NHS, and then I was fortunate enough to go to the Royal Vet College and undertake a master's in veterinary physiotherapy. So I've come through that route. Uh, nowadays, we've got some routes where you can come into physiotherapy, uh, into the veterinary field, straight uh, from um, in the undergraduate and postgraduate degree. But the master's that I manage at Hartbury University is for chartered physiotherapists that are looking to translate their skills from human to animal um, physiotherapy. Wonderful. And I guess important to mention at this time, and you do hint at this in, in the article, is that the there's some ambiguity, I guess, in the, the protection of the terms for physiotherapy. So um, I guess important word that you highlighted there was chartered and the fact that potentially physiotherapy in itself is not a protected term. Yes, that's right. And it's a little bit confusing for clients and I imagine for veterinary surgeons as well. In the human field, the term physiotherapy and physiotherapist is protected. So you have to have undergone um, specific training to be able to apply physiotherapy onto humans. But it's not actually protected in the industry in relation to animals. So that's where you'll see that the terms um, veterinary or animal or equine canine will be put in front of the word physiotherapy so that then that doesn't um, contradict any of the relations uh, regulations relating to human practice. So uh, as I said, I'm a chartered physiotherapist. So that's one way that you can look at the qualifications of your physiotherapist to find out their background and their training. And that leads us on to, I guess, in terms of advising clients about looking for a physio, that that is probably an important thing to know then in terms of what we should be advising. So 
looking for somebody potentially that's registered as a, a chartered physiotherapist is probably an important step in that, I guess. Yes. So as a chartered physiotherapist, I'm a member of the Chartered Society of Physiotherapy. But within that, we've got a special interest group that is the Association of Chartered Physiotherapists in Animal Therapy. So in the UK, that's ACPAT and um, all members there are chartered physiotherapists. We've also got a new register that's called RAMP, which is a register of animal musculoskeletal practitioners. And with that, that's an independent body that's looking to regulate the qualifications of those that are practicing in the animal industry. So, yes, I'd certainly recommend uh, people looking for the terms ACPAT and uh, RAMP after a practitioner's name. Great. And presumably they have um, online databases or you you can look up local practitioners using those I, I take it yes yeah uh org is our website and you can find a practitioner on there you just put in either a, a name that you've heard or you know search for your region and a list should pop up wonderful and um, so i guess we can get into the the meat of the article a little bit now so um it was focused primarily on routine physiotherapy um and i guess certainly for many practitioners um, or veterinary practitioners that um, kind of split will be something we're aware of that you know there's plenty of horses that uh, uh, have physio involvement particularly if they're going through a period of injury but also there's some horses that have sort of a routine physiotherapy as part of their potentially for their um, maintenance of their athleticism. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about the role of maintenance physiotherapy and how that fits into sort of the care program for, for equine patients? Yes, so in my practice and in a lot of my colleagues' practice, we are often referred horses that have, you know, they've had surgery or they've been diagnosed with an injury. But a large proportion of our caseload would be managing these working lives of um, not just sporting or performance horses, but horses that are, you know, they they are um, being used and their physiological and physical boundaries are just being edged into uh, on a regular basis. So really, it's the translation of the approaches that we use for our human athletes. So it's looking at trying to ensure that we're not having any reasons why their performance is affected from a musculoskeletal point of view or you know, any um, loss of function. And I think the advantage of uh, us as physiotherapists getting involved in the longer term management of these um, kind of uh, clients and situations is that We'll go into a client and we have the opportunity to spend a fair bit of time with them and we may see them fairly regularly. So we get to know them quite well. So we can spot when there are minor changes and we can address those very early on. And then we can hopefully prevent any sort of minor issues becoming a major issue and then becoming sort of more performance limiting on a a longer scale. Yeah, I think that's probably something a lot of vets will be familiar with, particularly um, similar, I guess, with farriers often seeing horses every sort of six weeks and things that quite often um, horses will be presented after the farriers notice something's changed or, you know, that that's quite often a cycle. And I guess it's probably a similar um, perspective for physios. So what would your typical assessment approach be for these sort of routine physio appointments? Is there a systematic approach that you use for these or does it vary for each patient? Definitely there's a core part of our assessment that we do for all all our uh, clients but then we can tailor that depending on the discipline of the horse that we're looking for 
usually we're going to start by taking a thorough clinical history and that's our chance to pick up from the owner or from the um, the handler, the trainer, that there are any signs that might indicate that we've got something specific that we want to look at. And then we can go on and assess the horse and all our horses will be assessed uh, through um, looking at their gait. So whether that's in hand or lunge or hopefully if we get the opportunity to see them ridden, then we can have a look to see if there's any specific limitations to their particular performance. And then uh, once we finish the observation and gait part of the assessment, we move on then to a, a closer physical examination. And that's really where our skills as a physiotherapist will come into play, because we're going to then be able to assess through palpation of the soft tissues. We're going to be looking at joint ranges of motion. We can um, assess muscle imbalance and look at factors such as muscle asymmetry, perhaps give us an indication of um, any sort of dynamic movement um, assess those symmetries that then uh, in the on closer inspection we can see uh, whether that's related to pain at all. Okay fantastic and one thing I guess worth considering is whether you um, routinely put sort of emphasis on assessing the rider at the same point particularly I guess if you're doing ridden assessments are they often a combined physiotherapy visit or is it usually just for the most part focused on the, the horse at these kind of appointments? Well, I think we all know how much of an influence the rider does have and potentially that's a benefit of having a chartered physiotherapist because we have skills in analysing human movement as well as uh, equine movement. So yes, looking at the rider and looking at how they're sitting and how they're influencing the horse is obviously very important. But usually what we will do is take the rider um, off the horse and have a look at them as well if we think that they're impacting. Um, I've been known to have the rider on bales of hay or on a, a portable table in a tack room just to, just to have a look to see what uh, what effect they're having on the on the horse. Although I have to say it's much nicer to have them back at my clinic somewhere warm and somewhere mm. dry to assess them. And in terms of the um, parameters that you're assessing, is there any sort of consensus about you know, how these are reported. Often we see sort of reports from physios, but I guess to an extent they're probably somewhat based on the individual practitioner. Um, but is there any sort of consensus in the literature about which parameters we should be evaluating uh, physiotherapy appointments for, uh, for our equine patients? Well, I think in terms of the gait assessment, uh, our descriptions of movement dysfunction might be perhaps a little bit more detailed than some veterinary surgeons are used to. Although we might score them as you know mild or moderate um, lameness in, in terms of what we're seeing from uh, perhaps a weight bearing or a swing phase lameness, we might be a little bit more specific when we're looking at a muscle imbalance so that might be critical and that might relate to what we found on palpation in terms of muscle tone and pain response and looking at sort of hypertrophy and atrophy. So I think we might take uh, um, spend some time looking at those finer details. And to your point about whether there's a consensus in reporting, we train and, and uh, see so we teach our physiotherapists a uh, basic assessment um, strategy and hopefully they'll they are all out there following the same format but then mm -hmm. that can be tailored towards the specific report you're looking at 
And in terms of actual sort of objective measurements, and we, myself and um, some of my colleagues at Hartbury University, we're looking into that quite thoroughly to try and develop more of a consensus. And um, with APPAT as well, we're looking at clinical guidelines in assessment and then taking those forward into uh, treatment guidelines. Fantastic. That sounds really interesting. And hopefully, um, you know, th- those things will have a big difference for um for taking things forward in the future in terms of um you know allowing comparison and sort of inclusion of those sort of things into into studies the regularity of visits for this sort of purpose of routine physio i guess will vary a little bit depending on the discipline of the horse and what sort of athletic requirements are being placed upon it um any sort of feel you could give us over how you know what sort of range we'd expect for how often those visits might occur yeah that that is actually quite an interesting question um, some of my sort of more leisure end clients might ask for an annual checkup just to make sure that there's nothing that they are missing if they are sort of inexperienced. And then a few of my clients would ask for perhaps a sort of spring and autumn assessment because that would be when they are increasing their work and checking that everything's okay before they reduce over the winter. But in terms of horses that are competing, we tend to have to sort of structure around their cycle of training. So that, um, for instance, if we know that they're running up to a competition, you know, national or, or regionals, then we're going to perhaps increase the frequency that we see the, the horse. And if they are changing anything, so perhaps if they've changed saddle or the approach to farriery has changed, um, or, you know, in some horses have stepped up a level, that might mean that they're seen more frequently I think if I was seeing a horse too frequently, though, and finding that there was an issue, for instance, there was a recurrence of back pain, then that actually would be an indication that the horse isn't managing uh, the level of work. And then I'd want to then liaise back with the veterinary surgeon and make sure that we're not missing anything in terms of sort of a subclinical issue that is causing pain. uh, And then I'm, you know, I'm not managing Though obviously there are situations as a physiotherapist that I work with the vets where we are managing a known issue uh, and we're just supporting that horse as uh, they're carrying on with their work. Yeah, I think that highlights what we touched on a little bit earlier is that the um, the physio often can be sort of a, a flag for when something maybe is changing or like you say, a, a recurrence. So I think that's really important to emphasise that and also, you know, other side of the coin, like you say, of, of having um somebody that can uh help us manage uh cases maybe if that's on top of some uh medical therapy or, or post surgery then then definitely having an awareness of somebody that's keeping track of that patient regularly as, as well is very helpful well exactly because if we're going in and we're seeing them frequently we can actually monitor for change you know improvement hopefully but if there is any deterioration or you know they're plateaued in their improvement then we can be there to actually look to see what elements of it that are limiting or restricting and um you know help as you know, I'd like to point out that physiotherapy is certainly not alternative. Physiotherapy is complementary to the veterinary management. So that close relationship that we have with the vets to be able to discuss cases and you know, um, hand backwards and forwards the information, I think is ultimately going to help the horses, um, well, obviously their welfare, but their progression and, and that helps with the owner um, compliance and joining in with the rehab protocols as well. 
if we're all sort of singing from the same hymn sheet with regards to what needs to be done for their horse, then, you know, hopefully we'll all have a good outcome. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, we've kind of touched on manual therapy a little bit, um, but a lot of people will be aware, obviously, of other treatments like laser treatment or uh, electrical muscle stimulation and things, um, and maybe have a bit more of a picture of those being more for rehabilitation. But do is there any particular technologies that you think are important for use in maintenance physiotherapy? Well, yes, I think if we're finding pain, um, then there are electrotherapies that we can use to address that, so long as you know the pain isn't secondary for, from, as I said, an underlying issue. Uh, I'm having my sort of toolbox a, a range of uh, electrotherapy and one of the, as you mentioned, the neuromuscular electrical stimulation, I use that quite frequently. The reason that I can um, say that that's beneficial, particularly for horses, is that obviously with humans, we can isolate muscles and we can ask somebody to perform a certain exercise. We can look at the quality of the muscle contraction, the amount, the strength, but you know, we are limited uh, when we do that with horses. So I can use the uh, electrical current to create uh, involuntary contraction just to a low level. And then I can look to see whether the muscle is actually functioning as I would expect it to be. Um, I think there is the um, also the, the uh, ongoing use of uh, tools that we can leave with the client. So um, for instance, TENS machines, or if there's a tendon or ligament issue, then we can um, uh, use something like an ultrasound. Uh, and if that's going to be used effectively, then that therapeutic ultrasound needs to be used quite frequently. So perhaps that's beyond the scope of a physiotherapist visiting um, two or three times a week. So if we've got competent clients, then they can apply that electrotherapy under our direction. Um, so yes, they're very useful uh, as we call them, adjuncts to our manual therapy and um, run nicely alongside our prescription of exercise as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, often, I guess that's an area that can cross a little bit that sometimes veterinary practices might have some of this equipment themselves. Um, but definitely for practices, I guess, where they don't necessarily have access to all of that equipment, then having a good relationship with a physio that's able to offer that can allow us to have a, a sort of a broader reach, I guess, to to uh, make sure that we've got all of the tools at hand that we, we could possibly need. Uh, exactly. And as um, with anything, our evidence base is expanding. And um, that's one of the, the joys of working at Hartbury because I get to supervise our master's students. And we have some nice studies on the uh, use of various treatment, um, various treatments sort of individually. But what I would say is that any of these electrotherapies uh, aren't, you know, they're not sort of a single use. They they only work in conjunction with you know, a really decent assessment and sort of applied with good clinical reasoning uh, and as part of a package, really. Um, that's what physiotherapy is. You know, our scope is is quite broad and we're fortunate that we can uh, apply a range of techniques and um you know, we choose what's relevant at the right time. So I'd urge any of the, the vets to discuss what is available. Um, I, many years ago, when I worked in human practice in the NHS, I'd get referred a, a patient for shoulder pain and it would say on it six ultrasounds or, you know, six short waves. And, and mm -hmm. that would be our prescription uh, of treatment. But, you know, it's not like that now. We, we've got options and we, we know and we're trained how to use them and when to use them. So, 
uh, yeah, please you know, have a, a chat with a physio, see what's available and see what's appropriate for each individual case. I think that's a good point now to maybe change tack a little bit and have a little bit of discussion about um, rehabilitation and management post-injury. Um, I guess it'd be interesting from our perspective just to get a, an idea of, in terms of the cases that you are dealing with that are in rehabilitation, um, whether that's uh, seems to be particular conditions that you frequently see or whether it is a really a broad spectrum just to get a, a feel for that I guess. Well I've actually just undertaken a small survey of our ACPAT members to look at their caseloads and unsurprisingly 80% of the uh, caseload was reported to be horses with back pain so I think that's probably number one on the list and whether that is of a sort of osteospinal um, pathology or whether it's a muscular back pain, I think that's probably the number one reason why people would um, sort of engage in having a physio to see their horse. Now, obviously, in terms of rehabilitation, physiotherapy could help with the surgical, so post-surgical approach, whether um, you know, that's sort of a ligament uh, snip or the bone reshaping, uh, but also uh, conservative management. Um, in all those cases, we're looking at looking at the sort of postural re-education, muscle strengthening, regaining range of motion, looking at proprioception, and then looking at the sort of functional capacity. So increasing that horse from the situation that it's in um, when it leaves the sort of vet's hands, as it were, working right towards getting them back up to their previous level or, or hopefully above their previous level of performance. So, yeah, sort of back pain would be number one. Um, I think we're starting to see quite a lot more of uh, rehab for sort of diagnosed neck um, pain issues. I certainly see a lot of sacroiliac region pain. And then obviously in the limbs, um, in terms of sort of tendon injuries, uh, suspensory, that kind of uh, sort of rehab. I think physios can work quite well with the vets once they're happy that loading and exercise can commence. And we can help draw up a, a really graded progressive approach to returning to exercise just to protect from re-injury and also try and um, ensure that um, we don't go uh, too fast too soon with these uh, horses but also you know we don't spend years of um, just uh, wait or years I say you know weeks or months of wasted time when we could be actively rehabbing them um, even if they're on box rest. Yeah I think that's that's a really important point. Um, one thing I, I'd be interested just to ask at this point is in terms of the drive between um, what stimulates people to uh, have the physio involved in the care of the horse and uh, whether that's primarily down to recommendations from the vet or whether you think actually a lot of that is client driven where the, the clients actually ask the vet to do that um, and whether you have sort of any, I, I guess that might not be something you um, necessarily always privy to, but whether that you had a feeler about how that relationship kind of balanced out. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, the majority of calls to me will come directly from the client, but a lot will say that the you know the vet suggested uh, that they they contacted me. Um, 
I'm not sure. I think the sort of awareness for physiotherapy obviously is increasing. And when you look at the lay press and you look at the articles, for instance, Dr. Dyson's articles on understanding um, expressions of pain in in, um, horses under saddle, you know, that's been widely publicised. So I think clients are becoming more aware that their horses might be suffering from issues. Mm -hmm. I have been in practice for a long time now so I've got quite a good relationship with the vets that I work with down here so we communicate an awful lot um, both sort of formally written reports and informally on the phone between clients so I would have um, a lot of sort of primary referrals from um, uh, from them sort of via their clients um, I would hope that that you know that the vets that are seeing horses that have back pain or you know they're managing them in a sort of surgical or a medical way would have the idea of physiotherapy sort of in the forefront to complement what they are actually doing um if not i i I sort of would urge physios to actually try and explain what they can do to help the vets in those circumstances to increase the actual you know this sort of relationship and this team approach great and the um, obviously, as you said, back pain obviously it seems to be a, 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 an important condition um, that stimulates physio involvement. Is there any particular other conditions where you think that we, uh, the physios, really have a, a you know we're sort of missing a trick really by not having them involved as much? And you obviously mentioned sacroiliac pain and things. I guess often the sort of proximal limb conditions kind of stimulate that, but um, I wondered if there's any particular cases where you think we really should be getting those with more physio involvement. Well, we have circumstances where we've got performance loss or you know a reduction in the expected uh, improvement in performance. And I know from talking with the vets that I work with, when you've got low-grade issues that um, are quite difficult to diagnose, you know, perhaps getting a physio involved at that stage to look at them from a functional point of view, perhaps look at as a, um, you know, a, a starter looking at sort of muscle balance, muscle development, looking at perhaps the sort of function and um, if there's any sort of proprioceptive deficits. I think that um, at that stage, we could probably help with the sort of unmasking of what that sort of subtle underlying sign is. Um, I think, you know, looking at it with our physio eyes, um, you know, might help in those circumstances if uh, if people are finding it difficult to actually um, find a sort of strict uh, musculoskeletal diagnosis. And along a similar lines, I think often we might be dealing with cases, for example, with foot pain and things, and uh, we probably underestimate how that can influence the, the gait of the horse and potentially influence conditions you know maybe in other parts of a limb or other parts of the horse um do you think is there any particular things we should be watching out for in those sort of cases as evidence where there's maybe some secondary conditions that are developing um in these patients i, th- I think that in that instance we are looking at the sort of quite subtle changes in the quality of gait 
Um, you might not have an over lameness, but you might have perhaps a shortening of the cranial phase of stride or um, perhaps there's a lack of elevation. And um, certainly, again, referring to the Dr. Dyson's um, expressions of pain in a ridden horse, you know, looking for those changes in facial expression or um, uh, from a physio point of view, looking for a change in posture. And that's one thing that, you know, if we're seeing a horse, you know, every month or every six weeks, part of our assessment will be observing them in stance and um, looking for changes in muscle development that might give us a clue as to which areas of the body they might be having to overuse, um, which aren't they're not using optimally, uh, just to give us um, a, you know, a sort of subtle indication of how that horse is adapting or having to compensate for something that hasn't yet, um, as I said, caused a, a sort of an obvious sign. But if at that stage we can highlight it and address it, I think we're going to then have um, a much better um, uh, outcome for sort of managing things before they become an issue that is harder for us to come back from. And presumably some of those patterns can be very individual, um, so, so, you know, changes in posture and things, and there's not necessarily a particular pattern, but actually each horse might manifest that quite differently, I presume. Uh, unfortunately, no, there's no no set patterns. Um, all of them are individual. And that's um, one of the exciting things about being a physio, I think, is my job is actually taking um, the client in front of me, be it two-legged or four-legged, and then using my detective skills to sort of problem solve to find out you know what is going on and um yes it, it's um sadly very exciting when I, I put two and two together and I'm going right that's what's happening let's address that and then let's see what happens and um you know if we've got it right then we'll have a a, a good change um I think that's what drives me to do this job and and keep me doing it 20 years later yeah, I'm sure every every day is a little bit different. Is there any um, thing that you think we will learn from um, human physiotherapy moving forward? Obviously, you've kind of hinted that you know I think the involvement of physios in in human sports and things is is really key now, and you see a, a lot of that in sports teams and things. And um, I wonder if there's any sort of trends that you think will translate across into the equine field more and more. Well, I think partly we're already there. I mean, we have physiotherapists as part of the British Equestrian team. So they're working at the highest level, monitoring and managing the horses that, you know, of the Olympic disciplines and the um, sort of world-class uh, squads. Um, what I'd like to see though is I, I think I'd like to see that sort of translate down into lower levels. I mean, it would be ideal if every racing yard had um, a physio calling in to see the horses, you know, every um, event yard had the, the, the same physio monitoring their horses throughout the seasons. I, th I think the, um, the ideal would be that every horse is treated as a, an athlete, you know, as you said, a, a human is. And if people understand that through training, we are actually pushing their, their physiological boundaries, not just, you know, from a, a fitness point of view, but from a musculoskeletal point of view, um, that would be really good. I often say to people, you know, how would you feel if you started a program at the gym? You know, you'd be sore. 
um, you might want to give up. But our horses don't have the option. If we make them sore because we do too much work with them one day and then we go back out on them the next day with that muscle soreness, then they're going to have to compensate for it. They're going to have to adapt. So um, if we can translate our knowledge in in terms of just a a basic understanding of how they might feel when we train them, I I think then that's going to be a really good start. I think that's a really important point. Uh, One thing I guess useful to round off would be if you've got any tips that you think would be useful for how to get the best out of the sort of veterinary physiotherapist relationship from sort of the physio's point of view, what we could, um, you know, what makes, what makes life easier for, for, from that perspective? I think that's easy. I think communication is the number one factor. Uh, I think if physios can develop a relationship with their vets in terms of finding out you know how they want to be communicated you know do they want detailed written reports i some of my vets you know they they don't have time to sit down and, and read um, what i've described you know the left tubercoxie is doing with the, the left hind stride you know they want me to phone them they want me to drop them a text to say can we have a chat about this um i think the the, the skills of a physiotherapist are um, being part of that team that involves the client, involves the, the mm-hmm. farrier, the saddler, the vet. Um, and I think the, you know, from a, a vet's point of view, I think if you've, um, if you want to find a good physio, then it should be one that is happy to talk and explain their point of view and hopefully um, help sort of that sort of understanding and the sharing of knowledge between the two practitioners. I think that's a really good um, point for us to, f- to finish on. Um, so it just leads me to um, thank you very much for your time today, Gillian. I think really useful uh, to give us a bit more of an insight into to that perspective. And I think hopefully um, give people some useful information um, to, you know, use, uh, use the physios um uh, in their area to the, you know to the best of their ability to to really help w- with their patients so thank you very much for joining us today oh thank you very much for letting me talk physio thank you for listening to this equine veterinary education podcast more on the subjects discussed in this podcast can be found online at wileyonlinelibrary.com forward slash journal forward slash e